Let's pray and we'll get started. <coughs> Lord, we love you. And we thank you for today and we thank you for who you are and your goodness and your grace and your mercy to us, Lord. I thank you for these ladies, Lord. Um, the sacrifice, Lord, even just of sleep to get up and be here early. And so, Father God, I pray you. It's a special blessing on each one of them. Lord, I know Peggy Wunzer is having back issues, and that's why she's not here. So we just pray for her to get um, healthy in her back, Lord, and help her to know what she needs to do um, to stay healthy and what she needs to do to rest in that and to rest in each one of those. Lord, I pray for the families that are represented here, husbands, children, grandchildren, friends, parents. Lord, I pray for your special blessing on each of those families, Lord, and that um, we as women in those families would reflect your glory and your grace and your mercy, Father God, and that you would give us the supernatural strength to do what you would call us to do in each of those areas, Father. We're grateful for um, who you are and what you mean in our life. And so, Lord, I just come before you and lay myself before you and give you this lesson and ask that the words that I speak would um, be edifying to you and glorifying, edifying to these ladies and glorifying to you, Father God, and that the words I speak would be your words and not my words, Father God. And we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, here we go. Um, we are our next... I thought we'd just do one word this time since we got slaves to drink. Next time, I figure that's going to be a really a longer one. So, we're just going to do slanderers today. And again, Titus 2.3 says, Bid the older women similarly to be reverent, which the big kicker on that word is to defer. We're going to defer to other people. Devout in their deportment, so that in our behavior and all that we do, that we're going to be devoted to the Lord. As those be engaged in sacred service, as we talked about last week, we're priests. We're, everything we do is a holy priesthood. We are at sacred service, whether it's cleaning the house, teaching school, you know, figuring out finances, you know, whatever we're doing within our job and within our, <coughs> our social relationships, that um, we are doing sacred service, and we need to do it all as unto the Lord and do it in excellence. And then today we're starting to get into the list of the knots, what we're not supposed to do. And today we're not supposed to be slanders. And I really, um, <clears throat> in my work, getting when I do work out, well, this week I think three of the four days that I came to the to the gym, I just got ready. I didn't actually work out. But um, one of the mornings I asked the ladies, you know, and as we were getting ready and putting our makeup on and stuff, what, when I say slander, what do you think? And it really opened up this whole conversation about um, words, and that's why I titled this, Is It a Prayer Request or Is It Slander? And we in the Christian world can so often, you know, couch this with, here's a prayer request, and really the bottom line, it, it can be slander. And so I started um, studying this and looking up what slander means, and this blew me away. The word slander, the word slanderer is here, that's in the Greek, the Greek is diablos. Has anybody ever heard diablos before? The devil. I mean, it blew me away. And that, it, and it's the bottom blank. The word is used 35, in 35 verses in the Old Testament, in, in the King James Version. I think in the NIV it's 40. But overwhelmingly, um, only three times is it translated in English to slander or slanderers. And 32 times it's translated as devil. And that, man. That really kind of got me, which is that it reminds me of 1 Samuel 15, 23, which says, for rebellion is one sin, it, it, I'm sorry, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. So when you think, you know, gossip, slander, um, 
you don't think so big, but when, man, when it's, the, what I think about with the Greek is, and it's Diablos. And going back to the definition up there, it says, prone to slander, slanderous, accusing falsely, false accuser, slanderer. Then the metaphor, metaphorically it means, applied to a man who, by opposing the cause of God, may be said to act the part of the devil or to side with him. And that's why it's translated as the devil so often um, in the New Testament. Today's vernacular, um, it adds malicious. It's an intention to really do something har harmful. Um, and, you know, when I tried to look at the local Webster, you know, today's Webster and not Noah's Dictionary, you know, way back from the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, 1700s. Um, Malicious was not part of it. Now it talks about malicious, and it's actually the legal term of slander. So you're giving false accusations, and you're doing it intentionally to hurt. That doesn't seem to be the indication in this interpretation here. It's just that you're giving false accusations. And, um, I mean, still we've got to ch judge our hearts and, and check and make sure what it is. But it is making sure that we're not falsely accusing others, even sublimely, where it really is affecting their reputation is the heart of it. And it's so, I mean, this is... This is tough. I mean, really, when we start thinking about our day-to-day -day conversations, even today, I was walking in, I was at a conference all day yesterday that probably I didn't want to be to be at it for most of it, but I was speaking at one of the workshops, so you kind of had to go to the whole thing, you know. So, and, um, and I was talking to Carol, and I was talking about the woman who was putting it on, and, and I was not... I was just telling her how, kind of how it was, but I was like, you know, hey, she didn't call enough people, and so we had low attendance and all that stuff, and I was like, you know, I didn't need to tell Carol that. I mean, you know, like as I'm walking down about the teacher's lesson, I thought, you know, what, what added value is this going to be, and where is it going to come from? And it really has triggered. a friend who doesn't remember those. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that well, was... No further. They got no further than that. Now it will. So it doesn't spread. It doesn't spread now. Overhead, you know. It's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to lie because then you've got to remember your lies. It's my memory is way too short for that. But just how we get down to, really, guys, how are we really edifying folks? And, and so I've got um, five, or is there six? Six things that, um, that I want us to hit on and um, spend some time on, on, on how to avoid slander. Um, first, let me read Romans 1.30. This is a place, um, actually it's Romans 1.29-31 is what I'm going to read. <coughs> this is a place where they translate the word slander as slander and not the devil. They were filled with all manner of right unrighteousness, evil, contentiousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Those are all in with slander. And um, I think it is so important as we as women that we need to be mindful of, of, of slander. And I don't think any one of us, I don't think there's any one of us in here who I think intentionally say, you know, I'm going to go, you know, nail somebody to the wall. But are we really presupposing on some things? You know, do we hear something and then we heard something else, so we put those two together and this is the conclusion that we're going to come up with? Um, I'm trying to think who... There's a commercial out now. Oh, no, I was just, it was actually a video that I just showed that you're making those false assumptions. It, it's kind of the, a movie's playing, it's dark on an airline, and she, the girl's on the window, and, and there's two seats between her, and... The other two guys are asleep, 
And so she's got to get up to go to the bathroom. So she gets up and she's kind of, you know how you kind of crawl over and try not to, you know. And so she crawls over the last guy kind of like this. And there's turbulence. So the oxygen drops down. She falls onto him. Lights go on. You know, and then so here you see this woman on his lap in the middle of, you know, what was a dark place. And so your assumption is automatically going to be, oh, my goodness, you know, what happened here? And, um, but, I mean, we just assume that. And so oftentimes we'll do that, and we might even spread something that we don't mean to spread that we need to orally check him. So, um, and understand how serious slander is, that it is, just as rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an idolatry, slander is right up there with hating God, being boastful, murder, and envy. So number one, <clears throat> how to avoid slander, um, don't talk so much. <laughs> um, this, Proverbs 10, 19, is if there's any verse that I strongly recommend women to memorize, it's 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19, it says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. You know, where there's much word, sin is unavoidable, and it's how I think the King James translated it. When we talk a lot, sin is going to happen one way or the other. And it's just, man, put that, you know, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. You know, check what we're saying. And when we start running at the mouth, you know, oftentimes we'll just, you know, we're afraid of silence. And so we've got awkward silence happening. And so we want to fill it in with something. And so we come up with something and we fill it in. And, um, you know, even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, looks wise. And (laughs) that is often the case or man we just need to keep our mouth shut and um the lord will do amazing things does anybody can anybody agree with that or testify with that or have they've gotten themselves they've talked themselves into a mess sometimes yes no yeah all the time gosh it really is i mean we just want to run off with the mouth okay next thing um and i'm gonna run off story before I run out of, I'm going to run out of lesson before I run out of time, which is highly unusual, but Philippians 2, 3, and 4, always think better of others, always think better of others, and, um, and that's so hard when maybe especially people have done you bad, and, or you've seen them do somebody else bad, and sometimes you're just going to automatically go to the assumption that what you're saying about them is really, is bad, but let's just think better of others. Let's just assume the best. Let's just assume, because this is what happens. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example that won't slander somebody, but, the, um, um, you know, somebody, uh, we read into people, we, we, we assume people's motives is what we'll do. You know, the person will cut us off and we'll think, well, how rude that person is. You know, we're just going to assume that they're rude as opposed to, hey, maybe... Maybe they're sick and they're trying to get to the hospital or, you know, I mean, we, we automatically start assuming people's motives. You know, somebody, we're at work and everybody goes to lunch and nobody calls us to go to lunch. And we just make the assumption that, you know, they don't like us. When really it could be that Susie thought that, you know, Henrietta, would, Henrietta was going to call and, and vice versa. And nobody called. And let's just assume, that, and, you know, and go to them and say, you know, Hey, well, let me go to lunch. Instead of us sitting in our closet waiting for our office, you know, which some of us have closets. It's, oh, we don't even have offices. for. <laughs> so um, when you live in the cubicle world and you hear everybody talking about going to lunch and, like, nobody's talking to me about going to lunch, well, just pop your head up. Be the gopher. Hey, I want to go to lunch. You know, let's not assume that it's wrong. You know, I think we can talk ourselves into really bad things when we overhear conversations. 
or making assumptions about that here their their um, their motives are not right. You know, but no, let's just assume. There's a scripture it has a man, but uh, it says if a man is to have friends, he must show himself friendly. Mm. And a lot of times we wait for other people to befriend us, and we need to befriend them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just always thank Kylie. The, um, Denise, were you just... I was, no, I was yeah. just going to say, I was just last night listening to a sermon by Piper, and he was talking about teaching your children um, how to love people who are different than them. Mm. And it was saying that you teach your children that other people are made in God's image, and mm. if they're made in God's image, you can't slander them. Yeah. Because they're God. I mean, they're mm-hmm. made in God's, they're not God. They're made in God's image, and so we would never say these things to God. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and that really affected me. I was like, that's so right. It's you so know, right. I can't curse the person that cuts in front of me. Yeah. Right. You know, it just really struck me. It, it, I mean, and we start thanking people better. I mean, my this is the biggest thing, because I think I've told you about my trash ministry. You know, I have to humble myself, so I have to pick up trash. Um, Ellen's like, yeah, I've heard this story before. <laughs> the, um, you know, this was year. I mean, this has been years I've been doing this. Um, it was probably 03 is when I started doing it. I just read in the scripture, if you humble yourself, the Lord will give you more grace. But if you exalt yourself, then he's going to, you know, cut yourself, cut him off. I mean, cut you, cut himself off from you. And, um, and then I also just recently read in the Psalms that if you humble yourself, he'll give you favor. And grace and favor. I need more grace and favor. So I'm like, okay, Lord, how do I, because I struggle with, with pride, how do I humble myself? And the Lord says, pick up trash. If you're walking down the hallway and you see a piece of paper on the ground, pick it up and put it in the trash. And I immediately thought, so this is what gets you in trouble when you know the scriptures too much. I immediately thought, well, Lord, then I would take away, you know, the custodian's job. You know, I don't want to, like, you know, get into their, you know, their job. And the Lord, this very verse, Philippians 2 and 3, is what he popped up to me. And he said, thank, bless them. Thank more highly of others. And this is what it says in the Amplifies. It says, do nothing from... Factitious motives through contentious strife, selfishness, or unworthy ends are prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility and the lowliness of mind, let each regard the other as better than them and superior to himself. Thank you more highly of one another than you do of yourself. And when we think of others more highly, because we think of ourselves, we all do. We all think of ourselves as pretty good for the most part. And then if we don't, then it's yet we still have pride because we think we're awful, which is the opposite of, you know, it's not, that's not humility. It's still self-loathing. It's still self that's involved in this. But think of others as better than ourselves. More highly, and it, so that's, that gets into def- deferring. That gets into esteeming. But I think that also gets into slander. When we start trying to slander somebody and bust on them, and we think, you know, no, I want to think more highly of them. I'm going to take the high road on this. I'm going to assume the good. Let's not assume always the bad. Let's assume the good. Let's always assume the good when it comes to that. Carol can testify. I've now transferred my ministry on to Carol. And so she, we pick, she's now picks up trash. But um, we it's joke funny about when it. when I walk the dog, how I pick up trash on the grounds where we live. Because they keep the grounds so beautiful. And when there's trash, you know, I think I don't, I don't want that to be a part of where we live. Right. You know, it really does get into your blood, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, and I pick up, like in the hallway, I'll see a candy wrapper or something like yeah. that, and I pick it up, you know, because it's a sanctuary of the Lord. I want to, you know, and I'm not stealing anybody's job, but this is the verse, so I always think about that when you go down. Okay, here's another thing. When we're thinking about slandering somebody or even just sharing something, you know, the question we need to ask ourselves is, is this person I'm speaking to 
part of the solution or part of the problem? Are they part of the solution or are they part of the problem? And if the answer to that question is no, then you know what? I really don't need to be talking to them about it because it really doesn't matter. You know, Carol, how was your day yesterday? I mean, I could, I could be appropriate and say, you know, Carol, it was long. I didn't want to be there, but... You know, I knew I needed to be there. I was doing the workshop, and so I did the right thing, you know, but I went to bed at 7.30. I was so exhausted. I did not have to add in the fact, and then at lunch, this woman was whining because there wasn't enough people there, but she's the one that should have called. You know, I didn't like need to add all that, because you know what? Carol can do nothing about fixing that. She doesn't know that woman. She can't pick up the phone and say, you know, hey, why don't you try this next? You know, she's not part, and she wasn't part of the problem. She didn't even know the thing was happening. And so when we start sharing things in that sense that it's like, hey, they're not part of the problem, they're not part of the solution, then we really need to, they don't need to know the details. They don't need to know all the information. And I think that's real important, too, even in the point of as we share prayer requests about others, I mean, about ourselves and maybe situations going on in our life. I might have mentioned this last, no, it was that when we were working out. Carol and I have a mutual friend who's going through a, a yucky, yucky, yucky marriage situation right now. Not a divorce yet because neither one of them can afford to get divorced. But it's a mess. And she, we're, Carol and I are mutually on this email loop. And she is sharing some things that are way inappropriate in the sense of, I mean, not details, not in that sense, but what I think is that, because I'm, I'm a big believer in reconciliation, you know, and if these guys ever get back together, we don't need to know the stuff that's going on. You know, in that same way as, as you're talking about your children or your spouse or a coworker or something like that with someone who's not a part of the problem and not a part of the solution. You know, unless it's that, you know, we all need those true trusted friends that we can just, I can just vent and throw up on and they're not going to go anywhere else and I can, you know, they know where we're coming from. But when we're just like telling everybody the trash that's happening in our lives when one day it's going to be reconciled and they're going to come back around, or well, this is what happens and this is what I'll do. I'll confess to this. It's also, I'll, you know, go meh, meh, meh about whatever the problem is and then wander off. And then we fix the problem and the person repents or I repent and we get everything going back. But I never go back and tell the person, you would not believe how they responded. You know, does that make sense? You know, and it's so like we've just dumped all this stuff on them and we never go back and say, here's, look at the restitution. Look what God did. Look how we came through here. Look how, what I learned in this or look how it humbled me in this situation. So are they part of the problem or are they a part of the solution? If they're not part of the problem and they're not part of the solution, then they probably don't need to know all the information. And they'll keep us from slandering for sure. Um, number four, is it edifying to all involved? Edifying, does it encourage, does it lift up, does it build up? You know, sharing this information, is it going to provide blessing in their lives? You know, and so sometimes you, and again, not in falsely, but even in sharing prayer requests, you know, in sharing this, is it going to edify in the end? And we can sometimes have to share some yuckiness. Now, if this friend of ours, Lord willing, she and her husband would will reconcile. And then on the back side of that, they can sit here and say, man, I mean, the husband stand up and testify. I was a jerk. I did this. I did this and this. You know, but God came in and, you know, saved the day. And, and this is where we are on the other side. Now, that's edifying. Even though you're saying that stuff, it's still edifying. So on the same side of what we're speaking, is it going to lift people up or is it going to, you know, is it going to pull people down? And we don't want to pull people down. Again, going back to the testimony I gave this morning, did that lift up the woman that was in charge of the conference, or did it pull her down? And it pulled her down. I don't want to pull anybody down. 
Well, lift people up. I'm sure, too, that God used it for an illustration for you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, another thing that helps, too, when, when we have some negative feelings like that, if we begin to say the things that went right about the day. Right. The lunch was good. The, you know, the decorations were great. Uh, it was well organized. Maybe there weren't as many people there. And because... It builds us up. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. we slander anybody, it tears us down along with them. Yeah. You know, you immediately knew and felt yuck about it, but God used it. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. We know you're not perfect. And yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> it's definitely not perfect. And it's finding that, and again, it's that fine line. And it's, you know, nowhere else in here in, in, this, in the Titus does it talk about gossip, gossip and all that stuff. That's why I kind of want to pull all those kind of things in there. And that we can be so quick to gossip and so, so quick to pull down. Um, man, did you see, you know, that person, blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't need to point out that. Somebody, I mean, and we yeah, Facebook and Twitter, man, we can really, we can hurt with the words even unintentionally on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, even jokingly, you know, somebody posted something that really was sharing, you know, and then somebody wrote after it, lightweight. I mean, it was like, I'm, it was not... And I know she was joking, it was kidding, but it was not edifying. It was not supporting. I read somebody else on Twitter and they had said, you know, this woman next to me has so much perfume on, I, you know, whatever. I can't breathe or whatever. My eyes are getting water. You know, you don't need to tell your 10,000 followers that information. You know, it's not edifying to anybody. It's not edifying to us. All we do is laugh at this woman. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know. Or, and for some of us, we're like, oh, my gosh, I wonder if that's me sometimes. You know, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, I've had a lot of um, back and forth, you know, going with my husband and my children about is this right, is this not right. I've had a lot of personal experiences. And I personally be believe that Facebook and Twitter for me and for my family, and I'm trying to, to be a mom kind of in with it with my oldest daughter and allowing her some grace with, with sure. Facebook. But I don't think that's letting your words be few. I don't think yeah, that's exactly. protecting your words. I think you're putting too much out there, too much you're sharing that's not even appropriate that other people don't need to know about. So right there, right what you uh, yeah. the scripture you just said, I mean, it goes against that for me yeah. and for my family. Right. I believe that for me. So I mm -hmm. personally got off of Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm trying to find out where where is that boundary for my daughter. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it might And there might be, not be. There might not be. It's got to mm -hmm. be something. Especially you know? at, 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 yeah. at that young age. Denise, were you going to say something? How do you shut down people who are trying to gossip with you yeah. without sounding self-righteous? Right, that's exactly. Hard. Well, that's, that's one of my takeaways because, of course, I didn't want to teach on it. I just wanted you guys to figure out how to do it. You know, how do you avoid situations? It is. So sorry, and, I didn't get that no, that's okay. I mean, it really is. And, I'm, you know, how do we avoid situations that we're in that? And for me, a lot of times what it needs to be is we, just need, we don't have to say, you know, you're busting them as much as, as soon as possible in the midst of it. Just... Get, get up and walk away if that's a situation or change the subject or... Or do what Carol was talking about. Bring out something positive. Yeah, right. That's I mean, oh, that's good. Yeah, exactly. So tw turn it around. Quicker than that. Right. Yeah. Right. What do I do to you, Carol? Uh, you just are silent. Yeah. <laughs> Once I realize she's not going to say anything back, I just shut up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'll do. I'll say... That's right. That is what I'll do. I'll say nothing. I won't agree or disagree. I'll just say nothing, and um, you know, 
How about those saints? You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> did you catch the game and, and change? Because it does. You do get in this situation. In our culture and what we do, you start hanging around people, and then they're going to be like, well, you know, they want, they want you to hit the tennis ball back, and if we don't hit the tennis ball back, you know, then, then it kind of just dies. There, there's a ton of Proverbs about that, you know, uh, got, it, that it can spread like a fire, but then it also can be quenched just as we give our mouths shut. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another mm. and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Yeah, yeah. Build us up. Build it up. Build There's it up. There's always something good about that person, and if somebody's slamming them and you say something good, it they'll stop. Right. And then in the same way as we, you know, as I think about talking with wives and stuff like that, that, you know, there, there's a thousand things you can pick on that are wrong, you know. But, man, just pick on the, you might just like his belt buckle. I mean, you know, so just, you know, just really focus on the belt buckle for a while, you know, or whatever. You really like his earlobes or, ear or something. I mean, you know, focus on that. And just deal with the positive and start, and it's gonna, then you'll start seeing, then you're going to build them up, and it's going to build you up as we continue to think about the positive. And, you know, and there is always a positive in the mix of all that. You know, the positive might be, you know, I don't have to ever see that person again. I mean, that could be the positive. But, you know, you don't have to sit next to this woman with all the perfume again. You know, get up and move the table and go from there. Um, you know, back on the Facebook thing, it's very interesting. Part of, of this, and this was what was good about the meeting, there's a book that's um, put out by the president of Barna. There's a new president of Barna. Um, you know, and Barna is kind of like the Gallup poll for Christians. And it's called Unchristian. It's the name of this book. And it's talking about primarily the millennial generation, the generation from 16 to 29 as of 2006, that millennial generation and what they think about Christians. And the six broad themes, let me see if I can remember who those, what those broad themes are. What they think about Christians are, they are judgmental, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, um, too political. All they're, all they're concerned about is conversion, so get saved. And judgmental, did I say judgmental? Um, uh, anyways, I mean, that's, those are enough to, to, I mean, but it was almost across the board how they felt about this. And uh, the, uh, believe it or not, most of these people that they survey, these 16 and 19 year olds, um, they are really unchurched. They went to church for a season and, um, you know, for three months even, and some of them have even made a decision or a commitment to Christ, but they, um, but they, they saw the hypocrisy in the church and the judgmentalness in the church and the you know, all were the anger in the church, and, and they struggle because, you know, they're all about, especially this, 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 um, this age is about teamwork and socially staying together, and so here's my good buddy who we've grown up since seventh grade, and, and I'm a believer, and he says he's a believer, and now he says he's gay, you know, and he's still my friend, so how do I reconcile that with what I'm hearing from the church that anti-homosexual, and, um, and it really comes, and also the same age group is also because they've gotten, okay, who knows this? When I was in school, who got the trophies? The winners got the trophies, you know? Now, everybody on the team gets a trophy because you participated, so therefore you get a trophy. And so we think that, you know, just by showing up, it's going to be successful, that we can, 
we should get the bonus. And our self-esteem is, is not built up on who we really have accomplished, but just in showing up half the time. And so um, in that same vein, those, and this is what made me think about the Facebook. The Facebook people are, this culture is also very um, secretive. They want their space. They want my space, you know, but not like, I mean, literally physically my space and emotionally and all that stuff. But meanwhile, they put on Facebook their deepest, darkest secrets and they share with the whole world. Yeah. And it's interesting that the incongruence that goes on with that situation. And I think this is the overriding theme in this that he said, and this blew me away. 9% of the baby boomers, so those are born 46 to 1964, 95% of baby boomers, 9%, um, I'm sorry, 9% of baby boomers have a biblical worldview <laughs> that the decisions of their life is filtered through the scriptures. Nine? Nine. 9% of the Gen Xers which is 65 to 81, 3% have a biblical worldview that every decision in our life is filtered through the scriptures. And just so just logically, you know, statistically, we play that out, this next millennial generation, the Bible is not their worldview. And so the way they see the church is the way the flesh has driven the church because it's not done through the biblical worldview. I mean, the Christians were just as likely to get a divorce as non-Christians. The Christians are just as likely to, to gamble, steal, talk about somebody behind their back, um, lie, and there was another one, and again, on this, all this from this survey about who we are as Christians. And so when we start, you know, living lives of devotion and reverence and sacred systems and, and slander and getting up and walking away when somebody else is not walking in that or being able to say tough words to... to to wives, you know, pull out First Peter 3 and end of 2 and end of 3. I, I've done it with Donna, so she feels the pain. You know, to walk through what that means, you know, to sit down and talk to my single girlfriends who want to get married and say, you know, the scripture, how I interpret the scripture, divorce and remarriage is a huge thing here. You know, to people that want to sue a brother, to take him to court. And it's like First Corinthians 6 is don't take your brother to court. It's better to be defamed than to take your brother to court. You know, we don't know the word to then filter through those kind of things. And when we start living that, it's no wonder that the church is a mess. It's no wonder that they look at us and say, all you care about is converts, getting the check. All you care about is, um, is your right ring and you hate homosexuals, but, you know, you guys have no problem with divorce, you know. And it's like sexual sin is sexual sin and, and dealing with that. So I have no idea how we got up on that. But that culture and dealing with that culture, and I say all this because, Jennifer, you're in that. I mean, does any of that resonate with you, with your friends and things like that? I mean, do you think some of that is really probably totally true? Yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and shame on us. Shame on us, the older generation, because they're looking at us, you know what? We are hypocritical, and we are judgmental. And it does look like all we care about is making sure abortion ends and homosexuals don't get their rights, you know, or, or marriage rights. And we're not really being inclusive and welcoming and bringing them in. I don't know the solution. All I know is that right here for me, all I can do is change my little corner of the world. And if each one of us change our corner of the world and start living righteously, start standing for truth, and start speaking it out, you know, May, don't send the nasty email, even when maybe very much it's justified in sending the nasty email, but I'm not going to revile back. I'm not going to revile back. I'm not going to insult back. I'm going to think higher. And if that costs me, it costs me. But the Lord's going to reward me in those, in those bigger things. So... Number five,
before we say something, we need to ask, do I know for certain that this is true? <clears throat> it, you've come down, you realize that, hey, you know, um, it's a work situation. It is, you're talking to a mother of one of your kids. I mean, the, the mother of, of uh, one of your kid's friends. Am I right on that? So one of your daughter's friends, you hear something, and so you're going to the mom to talk about it because she's part of the solution, of, you know, about or we're doing a co-worker situation. I'm going to go talk to the boss or I talk to the co-worker. You know, is what I'm about to say true? And if it's not true, then preface it with, I heard this. I don't know if it's true. And, of course, Matthew 18, because if it's a co-worker, you go to the co-worker first. I heard this was true. Are you going to make it right? Either it's not true or they need to make it right. And if they don't make it right, then you go to the boss and make it right, illegal or moral. You know, those are the things. You hear through the grapevine, girlfriend, you know, your, your daughter's friend got drunk at a party. You know, is this true, Susie? You know? Are you going to tell your parents or am I going to tell your parents? You know, let's, but make sure it's true before we start speaking out um, about it. And then I think this is so key. Why, number six, ask why am I so mad at the person that I'm about to slander? And I put mad, but I don't know if there's probably other things that could go with that, you know. You know, why am I, what's my bitterness? What's my grievous? Why am I unforgiving? You know, why am I really slandering this, this person or even gossiping about this person? You know, what's the underlying factor in all this that's really driving this that, that we need to say, you know, hey, you know, I got some stuff in me. <laughs> You know, I got some bitterness in me. I got some hate in me. I got some lack of love in me that I need to fix and make right. And if I'm ready just to bust this person, then either I need to go make it right with that person, you know, start, you know, um, testing your own heart. And I'm just going through something at work, and I've kind of just alluded to it, and, and um, it's been going on for about 90 days. And this is my theme has been lately. I am exhausted from checking my heart. You know, just checking the motives. Because this is not just like a one thing. It's we're, having, we're meeting, and then we're talking, and then we're meeting, and then we talk, and then, you know, it's like, okay, is my heart right? Is my heart right? Because I want to revile back. I want to insult back. I want to slander. You know, I want to I defend. That's a big part that I want to do. I want to prove I'm right. You know, this, 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 and this. And the Lord's like, don't. Don't. And so I'm like, but Lord, I did do this, 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 this. <laughs> And he's like, I know, I know. But it's, it's, it's not, not, don't speak it now. He hasn't told me why. You know, don't speak it now. Don't speak it now. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Don't revile back. You know, like I said, I love it. Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, looks wise. And so we need to guard our mouth. Put a guard over my mouth, oh, Lord. For me, put a guard over my mouth what goes in and what comes out. Put a guard over my mouth. Guard my tongue. The tongue is so powerful. Life and death can cut, you know, I said this one day this week, you know, sticks and, it's, it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell because words will hurt and they'll sting and they'll sting a whole lot longer than a broken bone. Because a broken bone, it might give you a scar, but once the scar is healed, we can poke it and stick it and you know, it doesn't hurt, but wound, but a scar. I mean, but a, but words will wound, and if we don't take it to the Lord and have Him heal it, man, it'll stick. And so we need to be mindful of our own hurts on that, and then turn around and and um, and make sure we don't wound others with the power of our tongue. Um, it does have life, and it can speak such life to people. That's what's so awesome about it on the other side.
we can focus on, you know, not slandering, but hey, what if we just really this week and thought about everybody I encounter, or make a list. Here are the 10 people that I know I'm going to encounter this week. Coworkers, spouse, folks on the phone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of one thing I can do to edify them today. I'm just going to think of one thing. How can I edify them? You know, Jennifer, how many kids are in your class? 19. 19. So if she took five, four, whatever the math is on this, four kids a day. Like, okay, these four, I'm going to find four ways that I can edify them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to build them up. Ellen, you got how many folks that you report to you? A whole lot. So maybe you do five a month. I mean, five a day or something like that. Same thing. And you do it in a month. How can I build them up? How can I encourage them? How can I be positive? You know, you guys got daughters and children and two daughters and a son and, and a spouse. Man, for them, how can I build them up every day? And you might have to make a list, a cheat sheet, because on Wednesday you might not be thinking about a whole lot of good things to be saying them. No, on Sunday I've done this. Okay, I'm going to do Sundays on Wednesday. You do. I made, I made Donna make a list. I made her make a list. You know, use that one. Check that off. It's done. You know, and because most of us forget, you know, you can repeat them after 30 days anyways, and they won't even know that it, you had the other ones. So that we can build them up and encourage them. And this speaks to me because I can be quick with my time. I'm quick-witted. Man, I'm quick-witted. And that can get me in so much trouble. So anyways, takeaways. Um, do I need to go back and repair any past slander I might have spoken? You know, have I undercut somebody? Have I um, spoken out a turn? Um, have I shared something that really was not my right to share that I need to go back and, and make right? And um, I love this. Um, you read it a lot in Scripture about blamelessness. And blamelessness is not perfection because nobody's perfect except Jesus. Blamelessness is that as far as I know, I have made everything right with people, so horizontally, and vertically. I've made it right with everybody that I know. Everything, everyone that I know, you go back and make it right. One of my mentors, um, and she, I heard her speak a ton of biblical womanhood conferences that she did, and, and um, we were talking about on Friday, on Friday night that we talk about how women ruin their lives, and um, one is sexual immorality, and two is dishonoring your parents. And so one of the ways with sexual immorality, how to make it right, is because um, you think, you know, <laughs> one woman came up to her afterwards and said, you know, I was, I'm, a, I'm in the Navy, I was in the Navy. I mean, I was on ships for six months with 300 men and five women. You know, and what you're supposed to do is go write a letter to these, these men and say, uh, you know, I've stolen something from you and your future spouse. Because the, the marriage bed is honorable of all else. And we've stolen something from that marriage, and I can never pay it back. You know, please forgive me. Now, you don't mail the letter, you know. <laughs> You don't go engage with them again, you know. That's not what it is. And you don't show it to your husband. You just, as far as you can, you make it right. Make it right. And you forgive it and you give it to the Lord, present it to the Lord. I, I, like, I like to burn them, you know, because it's a sweet incense to the Lord and then nobody's going to find it kind of thing. Make it right. You know, if, here's the thing that happened to me. Um, gosh, this was probably 12 years ago. I was really young in the faith and, Pastor was going through um, the teaching on the Ten Commandments, and um, he got to Thou shalt not steal. I think it was really the first one that I was like, okay, I'm okay on this one. I can, you know, I can sit through this preaching. 
And pastor, I mean, the Lord immediately hits me with, when I was in high school and I worked at a produce stand, I stole from the cash register on a regular basis. And, um, and I'm like, ah, okay, what do I do with that? Okay, and so I knew the people that owned the place, and so I tried to find them online, and, and they lived down in St. Petersburg, and I couldn't find them, and I even called some people, and, you know, how do you, that, talk about awkward, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but I, could, I couldn't connect and couldn't figure out who exactly they were because their name it was a common name, but their last name was Riley. And when the Lord revealed this to me, and this was in 95, um, I was living with a family called the Rileys, who are one of my closest friends now. Not the same families, but they're spiritual parents to me. And the Lord said, and I said, well, Lord, how much money was it? I don't remember. Bzing. I mean, you know. <laughs> he told me exactly how much it was. And so um, I'm like, okay, I want to make this right. And so I went and sat down with Ron and Pat Riley. And I said, you know, this is really weird, but here's what's happened. And, you know, here's a bunch of cash. That was a lot of money to me at that time. It's still a lot of money now. Here's the cash I'm going to give to you. Because I can't make restitution. I can't go back and make it right with these people because I don't know where they are. So the best, you're going to be the surrogate. I'm going to do it to you. And here's cash. You know, and they received it without any problem. <laughs> you know, I didn't get an envelope, you know, two weeks later on my bed, you know. You know, they took it and they thought, I made it right. I made it right. And that's what if there's somebody we've slandered, there's some situation we need to go back and make it right because I want to be blameless. I want to blame it. That keeps me from cussing at people on the road. I get mad at somebody and I have, you know, honk the horn. I don't flip them off like I used to, but I honk the horn. You know, they've gotten mad. I've offended them. And there they go down the road. I can't fix it. You know, I accelerate getting next to them. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> I don't do that. Becky, yeah. I had the very same thing, type thing happen to me. I, uh, took a trip with my mom in 1979 <coughs> oh, to um, uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales and did a musical thing. Gerald Ray had it. It was a musical called Alive Again. And we sang, you know, like 14 times in 14 days. It was a, really a working trip, but it was great. And about five days into the trip, the couple that organized it came to the group, had a little call meeting, and said that... Uh, they had not estimated the cost right. It was going to be $250 more than they had thought it was going to be. Well, my mother had paid for the trip for me and for her, and she was really upset, and, and it was a time in my life when I didn't have a lot of money, and uh, not that I do today, but I didn't. And so I told my mother that I would pay that, and I never did. Well, I began to run into this couple in Southern Baptist circles, knowing that, I, now they probably thought my mother didn't pay it, mm -hmm. you know, because she had paid for the trip, but I never paid it. And one morning I was having devotions with my staff when we were over on Nos Posto, 25 of us praying together, and I realized it just hit me, kazing, you know, you owe that money. And I had to write to this couple and pay them way more than what it would have been then and apologize. Had to tell them the whole story that I told my mother I would pay it. I had not paid it. And I got the sweetest letter back from them, you know. But as much as we can, we have to make it right yeah. with men. And, you know, God requires that. And you never know in their life right. what is going on and why he did it at that time. 
But we have the opportunity to be obedient or disobedient mm -hmm. when he tells us. And I mean, it is awkward. You mm -hmm. think, I'm going to die <laughs> doing this, but we don't. We don't. No. We don't. And you make it right, and then you have peace. Yeah. You know? You have peace. Um, and then finally, do we think, I, I used to have these in U's, but today I changed them. I started making them into I's. Do I think that I'm better than other people? You know? And I probably do to some cases, and, you know, and I shouldn't. You know, but I want to be mindful that I want to think of others better than me. You know, and defer and defer and defer. You know, um, Zig Ziglar's coming to town, and I've never met him. I haven't heard him ever speak. But Carol shared about one time when, um, uh, and I, you know, I think this, and I can say this about other people too, but the story with Zig Ziglar is that um, there was thousands of people at this conference that Carol went to. And um, he, go ahead, you tell the end. They, they had a breakfast that Well, then he was shaking hands with everybody. At the breakfast, there were hundreds at the breakfast, and he was at the door shaking hands with every single one of us when we came in. I've never forgotten that. Yeah, just welcome him in and just that, you know, I'm not, you know, because you have some speakers, you know, that are like whisking, you know, and then during the prayer, they're whisk out, yeah. and there's, you know, no, you know, anything like that. I can say this, I mean, it's not a political statement because I'm not running for office, but I went to Colorado Springs and worked for, during the during the last election, I worked from the McCain-Palin office just the last week before the election to try and win Colorado. And um, there was the very last stop that Todd and Sarah Palin made on their way back to Alaska the Monday before the election on Tuesday. And they came out and, and were gracious and kind and all that stuff. And I happened to be along the aisle, and I had a poster, and I handed it, to, and Todd was on our side, and Palin was kind of walking the other side. I handed it to Todd, and I didn't ask him. He signed it, and then he went over because I think it said Sarah Power, and he went over to the other side and, asked, and had Sarah sign it. So I had both of them sign it. And, but, I mean, just, I mean, that was gracious. That was not necessary. He did not think, I'm the big guy, or, you know, and just moved down the aisle. They didn't even, they didn't even need to take the time to do it. But they chose to do that, and, and you know. And so, not that we're superstars, and we're not filling a conference with 10,000 people to speak at, but, man, what are the opportunities that we can really, you know, defer and help people out and... Old woman struggling with the buggy, or um, you know, you see a mom and she's got seven kids. Instead of saying, you know, why does she have seven kids? You know, help her push the second buggy, and you know, whatever's necessary to bless them in that situation. So. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Takeaway. I mean, one of my takeaways is I think one of the things on this I put on the why am I so you said mad, but I said jealous. Yeah. Or well, you know, and I think that. Sometimes I get my feelings hurt, especially at work and mm. in the, our little competitive world, and I'll say, well, what's up with them? And that always then starts a whole slander fest because some men say, well, I heard this about them, or, you know, or I heard that about them. Wow. And it, it rooted from me being jealous or hurt or my, in my own motivation. So I was building myself up versus mm. trying to find something to build myself up versus this. So it's almost a little bit of a twist on Am I better than other people? It's almost making sure that I know who I am, mm. and the confidence of who I am, mm -hmm. um, in God mm. and what my purpose is, and focus on that. And you know, if they do that, fine. You know, that that's them. So mm -hmm. one of my takeaways is to make sure that I'm, you know, really focusing on who I am in God, and yeah. that I don't need to to do that to other yeah. to other people to make myself feel better. That's good. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. That's excellent, Alan. And that really is, and in, in, in the culture that. Ellen works in it's you know so highly competitive and all that stuff and most people that she works with probably their self-worth is totally wrapped up and their status of 
She told me about one person who kind of lost some points, you know, and she just like her life was ruined. I mean, it was just devastating to her. And um, so, anyways, well, good. Well, good class. Good class. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today, Lord. Bless these ladies. Lord, I just really pray, Lord, we'd be different. Lord, this younger generation that we might encounter, Lord, um, that we would, they would see us and they, we'd be different and we wouldn't be hypocritical and we wouldn't be judgmental. We'd be loving and we'd be kind. And Lord, just show us how we can do that in our little corner of the world to make a difference. Lord, um, Lord, forgive us that we have been slanderers. Forgive us that we have been gossipers and, and often would share our prayer requests um, offhand when really, Lord, we just want to gossip about somebody. And Lord, would you be quick? Would you just quicken our heart to that, Lord? And even if we're mid-sentence, Lord, that we would just stop it and, um, and just change the subject and confess what we're doing and, and confess your work in us. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us that quickens our spirit to those places that are just going to cause us more grief, more grief if we continue pressing on in this, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good class. Oh, um,